When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm Rich Fay and I usually say I'm delighted to be joined, but I'm not sure. It's like jury service you've even called up for this one. Samuel, it's nice to see you back. It's nice to be back. Thank you. And Charlotte, Hello. it's nice to have you here as well. I mean, where do we start? That bank holiday weekend, Easter. It was nice to see the rare sunshine, wasn't it? But United were left red faced, not because of the heat, but by humiliation at Goodison Park. Samuel, you had the displeasure of going to watch it. Where does that rank for you in defeats since Ferguson's left? I guess that's what we're still in. The post-Ferguson era had awful games against Leicester, MK Dons, Chelsea, but Everton at Goodison Park, 4-0 loss. Yeah. um, Performance-wise, it's undeniably the worst. I think it's probably not the worst result just because of the fact that there have been previous games like the Moises and you had Olympiacos, a Champions League game, what they produced that night was staggeringly bad. The Liverpool and City games that season um, at home getting beaten 3-0 um, by teams who are going for the league, just no no sense of pride, very little commitment as well. Uh, there are a lot of, I mean, Midland. Uh, people have, nobody's mentioned Midland under Van Gaal either. Uh, for it to have happened under probably the most well certainly the most popular manager since Ferguson retired um, just makes it even worse uh, there's 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 this danger here that I might send you all to sleep and people <laughs> listening to sleep because I, I could go on a Mark Kermo Pirates of the Caribbean style rant about just the the various pitfalls and shortcomings at the club but the situation is effectively the same as it was under Jose Mourinho in that the manager is not the biggest problem the biggest problem uh, is is the board is the structure um, Ed Woodward he's, he's impeccable on the commercial side I don't think anybody would dispute that he's been in a football post for nearly six years now and he's been a failure uh, that that's that's the glaring reality of it. You look at the recruitment, the recruitment going all the way back to Ferguson, and this is the thing about this whole this whole plot. It all still comes down to a racehorse and Rock of Gibraltar and the legacy of Ferguson um, going uh, dealing with the, the Cornwall Mafia, as they were nicknamed, uh, John Magnia and J.P. McManus over the stud rights. Him losing that, they had their shareholder their shares in United. The Glazers bought those shares out, and then the takeover happened in two thousand five, and that's pretty much the main reason why on the United board you can see it on the website you've got six Glazer siblings you've got uh, economics graduates from the University of Bristol in Richard Arnold and Ed Woodward you've got Cliff Batty the chief financial officer who used to work at Ladbrokes and a few other people I, I don't think anybody would have heard of those are the people who make the decisions at Manchester United which is supposedly a footballing institution but the stadium's decaying uh the, the, the squad is rotten um, 
The manager is starting, unfortunately, to look out of his depth. You can't say he's exempt from it. Lindelof at right back, Dallow at left back, just playing Jones and Smalling. Like just, just for, just make an example of one of them and sell them in the summer because you can't be tolerating that mediocrity anymore. I think it was it was remarkable. It just said it all that the parallel with the Easter Sunday game at Everton five years ago, the only outfield survivors were Jones and Smalling. I think it's a United fan said to me he said those two could probably side a, a nuclear holocaust the, the way they've been allowed to linger at the club but as you said about like the red faced and lack of running being outrun by eight kilometres is just embarrassing and it wasn't because they were tired because they had a short flight to Spain it's because some of those players just do not care enough um, yeah it seems only a few weeks ago that we're saying that maybe that's one of the things that Solskjaer changed was the running stats he saw against PSG and stuff that Fred and McTominay were the two ones who yeah. ran the most on the pitch but then it was different individuals on yeah. Sunday and it was just a matter of because sometimes you can accept a defeat and hold your hands up but it was just players not trying no absolutely and Pogba uh, he has his followers he has his admirers uh, who who support the player rather than the club because if he supported the club he'd acknowledge that he was destabilised in that club all of last year most of last year and this season alone he's destabilised the club under both managers obviously he had his issues with Mourinho under Solskjaer he's decided to flirt publicly with Real Madrid so I mean it was tragicomic that he was the player put up for the broadcast interview before the derby and he speaks about disrespect and even said we let the manager speak as if you know we're the players we've got the power Uh, the way you see it in black and white it's easy to attribute it that way and that's what Manchester United are they're a player power club who are run by bean counters and that is not going to change until they get a technical director in who actually tells um, the financiers at the club how football works do you think they ever will though or do you think the because you talk about the board and from a fan's point of view it's easy to say and if people on social media and stuff get it's, someone like Van der Sar in and be no a, it's and not the, panacea I, I completely agree because it has even to if go the board gets that. one in you sense it'd be someone that, that again that will be maybe for, that they can get along with yes, it's man, not going to challenge them if, if it is Mike Phelan and Obviously, there's been a lot of speculation around that. Some people say it definitely will be. Some people say will he, he, he's in the running for it. Um, I don't know quite where that noise is coming from, but it's just worth taking you know a step back and looking at the club. Mike Feen is still sporting director of, um, which are Central Coast Mariners and the A League in Australia. Who the last I looked, a bottom of that league, and this is the club that gave Usain Bolt a trial. Now, the the cynic in you would say, well, that's perfect for United because they just buy superstars and they don't really give much uh, regard to what the team needs. But if it is, if Phelan does get it, that just shows again that that, um, the story that we all had in in December about them having plans to appoint a technical director, that was short-sighted even then because they wouldn't have been thinking of Mike Phelan back then. And it's taken far too long to appoint that that role anyway they should have had that that role done done and dusted before the Solskjaer uh, appointment or the next manager appointment because they should have waited until the end of the season on that anyway but the structure has to change um, we, we were told about this recruitment department that vetoed Mourinho's uh, suggested targets in the summer um, who the hell's on that panel we don't know nobody said does it even exist <laughs> uh it's just a mess from top to bottom. The stadium, the playing staff, the structure, the people on the board. 
Um, as I said, when you've got six siblings from Tampa who what they know about football could fill on, you can fit onto a postage stamp, and economics graduates uh, running the club, then it's a desperate state of affairs and some people have just got to keep their egos in check or you know, just take a step back and concede I'm not right for this role it's time to step aside let someone else come in and oversee this revamp because it is a revamp that's needed yeah it needs to be a rebuild it's not a case of oh sell eight to ten players and then back I think, yeah. and, and, back and buy some more You've, you're talking years like they've got to go back to basics and they've got to get the structure right in the club they've got to bring the right people in not just the right players and then slowly build up a a good squad because if you're a good player do you want to go and play for Manchester United now what, why would you like why would you sign for them like it can be like oh it's all about that- the history and the culture and who modern day players now do they really care about that I don't think they do no I think I don't know what you two think about but the fact that I know people like Ander Herrera seems like he's going to leave do you think that deep down they know that there's something not right the direction this club's going the fact that these people who talk the talk who are loved by fans aren't wanting to commit their, their future to the club I know we've had people like Marshall sign new long term deals but there's still so many players whose future is up in the air I think there are some players who would prioritise the footballing side of it. I mean, Herrera was called out by Red Issue the other week because he gave some interview a few years ago about ownership in football and it's wrong what's going on. And then, of course, he goes to Qatar's Paris Saint-Germain, or he's going to anyway. Uh, but I suppose what you'd say in Herrera's defence, a little bit like with Scott McTominay at Everton, is that he's someone who visibly cares, whether it's on the pitch playing badly or... And that's the minimum you expect from every player, yeah, isn't it? Or, or walking through a mix zone and looking genuinely um, appalled by, by what's happened, which I've seen from Herrera before. But ultimately, but again, this, he is part of the problem. United offered him over £200,000 a week. With a player like that, he's, he's turning 30 this year. I think most people, if you would regard him with a reinforcement in as a squad member, why are they offering that amount of money? He's part of the problem, but United have created that problem themselves yeah, with yeah. the with the wage structure and what they've done with Sanchez. That that's It's a rod off their own back, isn't it? Because if yeah. you're him and you're looking at Sanchez and you're thinking, well, what do you contribute towards this team? You've not done anything. I'm being hailed as when Solskjaer took over, it was him, Pogba and Matic. Oh, this is the future of midfield three. They found, they found the, the trio that are going to take them through. And then you've got Sanchez can't get a game on that much money. It's their own fault. But there's only so long their representatives can say... Uh, why is why is he not got fair remuneration when Alexis Sanchez on this while their clients are, are playing like drains? Marcus Rashford is is in danger of falling into that trap at the moment. In that you saw in him someone who was a bit more switched on, purer maybe as 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 right as pious as that sounds because he because he came through the academy but he's got a massive inf- his, his ego is growing at the moment the way he reacted on Sunday I thought was poor this is someone who scored three goals in 13 um, he's not as good as he thinks he is and if you're holding out for a new contract if he thinks he is worth like 200 grand a week or in excess of 200 grand a week and he won't sign a new contract just let him go it's, it's got to that point now where you look at these players and I don't think men. There aren't many. I think United fans wouldn't be sorry to see the back of. Because how many fans? How many players are there in that squad that you generally would with, want to with, keep? With De Gea, 
United have been have done well to get eight, eight years out of him. Um, but he isn't irreplaceable no, to the extent no, he some think, is he? No, I, I think if if push came to shove and United have intimated that they won't sell him this summer, regardless of what the situation's out there, they're happy to effectively take that risk of having running his contract down to a Sanchez-style situation where he's got six months left on it in, in January next year. But as, as you said, well go and sign Jan Oblak because I think he'd jump at the chance playing for United and he is an excellent goalkeeper um, Paul Pogba just what Gary Neville said about him in December you know he can do one uh, the way he reacted to, to Mourinho's dismissal was disgraceful I don't care what United fans think about Mourinho for the supposed star player to react to a United manager's sacking that, especially that the manager who's brought you back and yeah. given you a second chance in English football and allowed you to be the type of player you want to be it giving was, you the, the platform for that, that was an idea for player power I think um, but United have Cataldo's player power, and now the cliques are starting to surface again because things aren't going well. There have been suggestions that um, certain members of the squad aren't happy at certain favouritism shown to players of certain nationality over the contract situations and things like that. But again, I mean, the contract situation, you could have a separate podcast on that, but why they gave Jones and Smalling new, brand new contracts is it's just beyond any logic they had the plus one options on them it was a case of triggering that and then it's down to them to play for their future it's down to the club to sell them while they're you know they're in a position to sell them in the summer um but i mean i was told that in in jones's instance his his representatives were surprised when they got the call oh we'd like to renegotiate a new contract with you so even the players uh, at the point now where they are surprised to be getting new contracts and of course it's a breeze to negotiate a new contract with Phil Jones because he's not going to go to a bigger or better club um, he's, he's lucky to have been as United as long as he as he has but it's pretty galling that come the summer he'll have been at United for as long as Nemanja Vidic and that's just you have to compare him with that because those those are the defenders him and Smalling have followed Fernand and Vidic and yeah, just as I said, it's it's a mess from top to bottom and they might as well inaugurate a football knowledge position on that board because there's next to none of it. Charlotte, <laughs> we'll bring you into this now as well. So I think I'm still awake. Yeah, well, we spoke there It's very well. hot in this room, It's very it? hot. Usually it's the coldest, coldest place in the building, but maybe it's the heated discussion that's maybe. going on. Who yes. knows about that? Samuel's rant as he yeah. increased the temperature in this room. But it says a lot, doesn't it, in six months, the one player, it's gone from... The one player all United fans want to keep the club is just Scott McTominay. He seems to be the only player that everyone can agree on at the moment. In your own personal opinion, who are the players? Are there, is there a core of players that you think must be kept at all costs? Or or do you believe that most of them are replaceable now? I think oh, they're all replaceable and that's just the, the way the game's going, isn't it? And I think well, you mentioned Scott McTominay, but the reason why fans would get behind him is because, like Samuel touched on, he's the only one that shows any description of desire or passion and this fight for the badge thing and Matter came out in his blog and that was the only thing he said in his blog this week that's what they need to do on Wednesday fight for the badge there's obviously this big debate about whether United fans want 
them to throw the game so Liverpool don't win the league but that's another totally different conversation but even if they lose I don't think there'll be that much disappointment providing they show fight if they get turned over 6-0 and it's and it's a total embarrassment then there's not really much coming back for any of them yeah regardless even if they do show fight on on Wednesday night it's still be why didn't you show fight on Sunday when they've travelled to Merseyside to watch it and that's the at least it was only a short trip to Merseyside I was talking to one United fan who went to Brighton at the start of the season and said I'm still waiting for my apology after travelling all the way down there to watch that show I don't think it was quite as bad as Sunday but no uh, Brighton that first half performance was the it was, it was difficult because the Bournemouth game, the one we went to in November, um, Charlotte myself, I think in terms of sheer amateurish and amateurish level of performance, that was just staggeringly bad, but they managed to equalise and Bournemouth just was so pro- profligate and that's what cost them. Uh, but just going on, like... Amateurs, Smalling and Jones, there was one of the most striking or startling um, images on, on Sunday was De Gea had a goal kick. And I mean, his body language at the moment is all wrong. He just looks like he's half sleepwalking. He, his focus doesn't look there. And he didn't know whether to go long or short. And he's and it, it was Nemanja Matic who actually said, you know, Go go short, and then he's telling Smalling and Jones to split. I.e., what a school coach would tell schoolboys yeah. like get into space, and the concept of getting into space and with the possibility of passing out the back just seemed absolutely alien to them. And Barcelona have been doing this for what ten years since Guardiola was there. Tottenham have almost every it. team in the Premier yeah, League does it now as well. Exactly, and they just thought. What, what's this? It was like Matic had given them instructions in Serbian or something like that. And when you see that, and as I said, what makes it worse is that these two players have been given new contracts this season. I guess that's the, the whole issue of United. I know we talk about the fact that footballing decisions aren't made enough, but it's the fact that one good run of form seems to get you rewarded with a contract that's unsustainable almost at the moment. I guess that also ties in with Solskjaer's premature appointment, regardless of whether he's going to get it or not. Charlotte, I don't do even know if that's what it is. It's in, in some ways, it seems like they've done the they've done the contracts that are easy. They're easy decisions to make, and it's like, oh, it's all right because we've we've announced two new deals or three new deals or. It just seems like the easy options, the harder ones that are taking more to negotiate your Ander Herrera's, your matters, they're not, by the sounds of it, not going to get over the line. And it just, it's easy, easy wins for them, isn't it? Easy business. And then they can get back on with the commercial deals that they want to land instead. Very cynical outlook. (laughs) I suppose one of the, uh, the, having to look at it from a realistic perspective, if those 11 starters at Everton, you would not be surprised if all 11 of them are at the club next season because yeah. realistically are they going to sell Jones to Smalling maybe maybe one well I could see Jones going to I mean, in fairness look, look I know it sounds like I've got it even for them but on their day they can be good defenders they can be stable defenders you Smalling's could see good yeah, you, you could see you know West Ham going for Jones he, he's a, a mid-table Defender, I think, or, or going to Leicester, somewhere like that. Um, they they have their merits on their day. The problem is on their day is is very very rare. And looking at the rest of that squad, they're adamant they're not going to sell Pogba in the summer. Um, Would you prob- sell Pogba in the summer? Yeah, yeah, out of principle. Just just out of principle that he's 
brilliant though he is, he's too flaky, he's too inconsistent, and he can be a pretty a pretty poisonous influence, as you saw with that tweet after um after Mourinho was sacked. Uh, and I don't think that's been lost on some of the players in that dressing room either. There's there's no dispute in his talent, but the, the trouble United also have with him is that if they want to keep him for as long as possible, the only way to do it is to offer him more money. I know that they've cut out player power already, but if they do that, they're just... Amplifying they're, the issue, they're, Yeah, they? they're, they're going down a road where there's no return from. So they can't... I just don't think they can. And... As going back to the Sanchez excuse, in fairness to Sanchez, he's he's been performing better than them in recent weeks. Just going off his fifteen minutes at, at Barcelona, um, but with yeah, with with Pogba, I just think it's got to the point now where just get the money, add it to the budget, rebuild, revamp, rip it up and start again. If there's a hundred and thirty million pounds on the table, which I think. What Marco or someone I don't think they'd sell was him for reporting, that. then I think I think they need more given how much the market's the changed mar- the market's and how changed. much they invested. One hundred and thirty million pounds. He could go there and be he could go there and be their best player. You wouldn't be surprised to see it happen either. So I think they'd need they'd need more money than that. But if they get the right sum, cash in definitely. But even if United got the uh, the cash in, Charlotte, would you would you actually back them to recruit properly in the summer? Because it's easy enough for to go on social media and stuff and say this is my dream transfer wish list. This is who we want to see yeah. come to United. But <clears throat> in, but then it's completely different and get them in. I'm sure if you go back to this time last year, there'd be United fans who are all tweeting the same names of who they want to see signed. But like you said, why do you want to join United? It might be easy enough to say, oh, we want X, X, and X to, to join. But well, they were talking about Delit, and he he would be the dream signing. Yeah. At the back, why on earth? <laughs> Barcelona is going to go to it realistically, isn't he? Why on earth would he say, "Oh, do you know what? I'm going to go to Manchester United over Barcelona." Really? Well, even if he got offers from the Premier League, there's another oh, four teams yeah. probably would rather join in England than United. Of course, there is, and I think that's the problem that they're at. Is how are they going to persuade these players? These- it's going to take the same sort of extortionate money that got Pogba there when they had the Europa League. I don't think they're as hard a sell as some have made them out to be. Um, the, the trouble is, when they have failed to qualify for the Champions League, they've they've been pretty aggressive in the market, which again it shows you where the pro- club's priorities lie. In that, the managers had the best league finish since Ferguson um, retired was the one who was given the least amount to spend um, in the summer transfer window look what happened there whereas 2014-2016 they had very lavish spending spree. I think they're too, too highest anyway but that that strategy that superstar strategy just does not work and Solskjaer knows it and, and he's mentioned it in his press conference a few months ago saying it's not about just signing superstars him and Phelan are looking very meticulously at what players to get in terms of getting players who are genuinely enthralled by the prospect of playing for United. But as you said, the problem is the structure. There's no technical director still. If they were to parachute one in today or tomorrow, it's too late for the summer. summer. They've started that process already. And that's the thing, even if I know people are saying they'd like someone like Van der Saren, but his his summer recruitment would be aimed towards people at an Ajax's level. Not yeah, level. and and the the strategy as as we've been told by those at United as well is is the same as it is last year. So what faith does that give you? Last year they ended it without two priority targets, and they couldn't sell Rojo and they couldn't sell Darmian. So 
is that that is pretty troubling. And as you say, with 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 Ajax, it, it's a great story. Um, it's not freakish what they've done because they've beaten Madrid and um, and Juventus away from home, but it it does still feel a bit isolated, a little bit like Leicester when they won the Premier League in that their major summer signings were Daly Blind and, and Dusan Tadic. I and know- it's interesting as well that when we did our keep or sell last year, Daily Blind was the player that fans wanted sold yeah, the most. Absolutely. And now his stock there's a lot of because- there's a lot of revisionism about it. Ultimately he was never really a Mourinho defender and I suppose the only the only caveat with it was that Everyone knew he was a better footballer than Jones, he was a better footballer than Smalling and Rojo, but with defenders, you need them to defend. And it's not a surprise he's thriving at Ajax because he's back where where he started, he's with his mates and um, that he's... And the other thing about that was that I think a lot of people thought it was a bit of an unambitious move by him going back to Ajax because you could have seen him at a really big good side on the continent he'd be an upgrade on some of the Bayern Munich defenders um, but it was just a situation at the time uh, and, and it's been a that's maybe a stick that's unfair to beat United with but by the same token why have you kept Rojo all these years how are Smalling and Jones still in this team um, the, the whole central defensive issue is it's it's tragicomic when you look how much City I think City have spent 180 odd million on defence centre backs in the last six years Liverpool it's slightly skewed by the Van Dijk um, fee but that's over 120 million with United they've signed Rojo Bay and Lindelof and I think that comes to about 76 million pounds just under uh, 80 million pounds they've just it's an area they've not invested in and it's almost as if they're a little bit deferential to Ferguson there. Like you bought Smalling and Jones, they'll come good. Well, one's 27, one's 29. It's it's just not going to happen. feels like they need a long-term strategy as in it, to yeah. how they're going to get the team better, to look at it as a whole, look at the ages of the players, look at the quality of the players they've got there and then prioritise. So this summer it needs to be the defence. If they manage to somehow persuade a couple of world-class defenders to join and they really and they stop leaking in goals then maybe the rest of the team doesn't look as bad and then yeah, solid then, base yeah can... and then the next summer you look at bringing in another world-class player maybe in midfield as because under Herrera's left or I feel like it needs to be a long-term strategy rather than just a Mindless panic spend it, yeah. that's this what Liverpool... summer going Herrera's left we need a midfielder well we're not going to get the midfielder we want so we're just going to buy someone else who might be alright well no it's not good enough for the long term but they do need a midfielder yeah no I do they do but I mean if if you're talking they're going to buy th- three players for example and they're not going to no. get who they want what's the point in wasting another 40 million on someone who might be alright for a couple can't, of years yeah can't just get filler and stop because that's yeah what, that's my point they yeah. need to they need to get world class players in every single position and if that means it's going to take three to four transfer windows and you're taking a hit and they're not winning anything to then start be properly challenging for stuff in a couple of years and that's what they're going to have to do I think the the keep or sell results on our site last week were it was difficult to disagree with because I think it was eight players wasn't it yeah but realistically half of them at the most will probably be sold I'd imagine if they can't get buyers and yeah. yeah so I mean who was it was it by Matic Sanchez was Jones on there James Smalling. Smalling. I don't know. I don't know if Smalling was. I don't think Smalling was. Um, 
but Rocco was on there, Darmian yeah, was on the there. The, the usual suspects. Uh, Ashley Young was on there as well, I think, given how his form has plummeted. But you can't just get rid of three quarters of a defence in, in a single summer, no. uh, which is why they, they probably wanted Jonas Morning on new contracts because they thought Rojo's the deadwood there. He's the he's the duck to have lined up to, to get out. Damian has to go. Uh, Valencia's going. So that's, that's three defenders uh, who are going there already. And they've got the leverage then to get a high quality centre back and a high quality full back because they just need them and then next summer you look at it you think get rid of one of Smalling and Jones um, Ashley Young will probably leave because he'll have come to the end of his contract at that point probably is the key word there isn't it we'll give probably, him a new three yeah, yeah. He'll, be, he'll be there 40 years <laughs> old yeah um, got a testimony already <laughs> I mean in fairness they, they gave him just, just a one year yeah. deal no plus one or anything like that and then next summer you say, let's get another centre-back in, let's get another four-back in. And that's probably a sensible way of going about it, but I do think they need to be quite aggressive this summer in that they just need three or four players who are going to improve the first team. It's not a case of improving um, the squad or anything like that. They've, they've talked about game changes. They're, they're lucid to that need to have players who are going to come straight in, have an impact. And I think you, you can see the areas already. It's full-back, uh, specifically right-back, because you know, Shaw's had a decent season. It sends back, it's in the midfield, and it's a right-winger. Charlotte, do you feel that maybe some people are overreacting just because of a bad defeat against Everton? Or do you think it's good that all these issues are coming out? Because... You felt if United maybe would have won on the weekend, they would have just been papered over for another week and they wouldn't have been apparent. I think it's just brought back to the forefront the issues that everyone knows have been there all along. I know there was the feel-good factor when Solskjaer took over, but I don't think anyone was naive enough to think that he was going to be the answer to all the problems. Obviously, he did answer straight away a few of the problems, but... He, he isn't going to fix everything. We've spoken about all the deep-rooted issues to do with the structure, to Ed Woodward, the recruitment strategy, everything needs changing, but that's been since Ferguson left. So it doesn't I, matter who's in charge, does no, it, when those and issues are Yeah, you can blame Solskjaer a bit for the defeat on Sunday because he made some tactical decisions that he shouldn't have made, but the blame can't be laid at his door. It, it goes... It's goes back years and years and years and that's why it's going to take so long to sort it out of course things can be changed quite quickly Samuel if uh, we see a big Phil Jones header on Wednesday night and United beat City might get papered over for another week and the mood might change completely well you can expect to see Phil Jones facials all over the back of the papers on the- <laughs> well you, you, City fans have that that chance about him as well um you, you would, How does you, it go? <laughs> I can't. I can't sing it. I can't sing. It. We can't but put an explicit warning on the podcast. We've come this far. It's, it's you sign Phil Jones. We sign Kunagawa, oh, yeah. isn't it? You know, which, okay. which is a reference to the 2011 summer when United signed De Gea, Jones, and Young, who are all still still at the club obviously and City went out and got Aguero and Nasri obviously rejected United as well. Um, you would. You would. Well, Jones is actually injured, isn't he? Again, as per. So maybe he's not going to be playing in the derby. So you would you would 
think and hope from United's perspective their best centre back would play at centre back in this game Absolutely. rather than uh, right. Well, the whole what he's been doing. And it was defense. weird, wasn't it? We know we not even mentioned it, but first five minutes wasn't Rashford a, a wing back almost, or was that yeah. just a f- uh, t- time? I, t- it wasn't my mind playing trick because Tyrone was saying the same. It did look for about five minutes as though it was a back three with Rashford at right wing back, and then slow very quickly. That just wasn't yeah. going to work. So Lindelof went to right back and then Lindelof spent the rest of the half pretty much moaning at Rashford, asking him, why aren't you tracking, didn't you? Um, and as I said, the only United wing who's ever got away with not tracking back is Cristiano Ronaldo. And I think Rashford, he's trying to be like him with his free kick techniques, which, again, he scored three free kicks for United and they've all been goalkeeping errors, which he should just take the hint, just take him. He shouldn't be taking free kicks. But he... There isn't kicked. anyone else in the squad to do it. Pogba uh, used to hit the bar from them quite a bit, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I've, I've seen, I've seen Pogba take a decent free Ashley kick. Ashley Young's got a good free kick, of him. Hit, hit the woodwork at yeah. Bournemouth. I would rather have Ashley Young free kicks than, than Marcus Rashford. And corners. It's a, it's a similar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't beat the but then again, you, you, can't, you can't put down just free kicks not going in as the, the biggest problem in that can you? So. What I'd say is... it on the list. Yeah. yeah. What I'd say is I think uh, Jamie Carragher was was right when he said that the, the Tonking United received at Everton was probably the last thing City would have wanted, what Guardiola would have wanted, because there has to be some form of reaction. It might be... It might not be enough for United because they're coming up against a vastly superior side, but... There has to be something. They've, they've just got to give something. And I think Van Dijk said himself when he was asked, um, well, you know, you, you're looking for a favour from United. And he said they need to do themselves a favour or, or something along those lines. And he's he's completely right. But, of course, win, lose or draw, um, there's, 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 it's, it's going to be tainted one way or another. <laughs> I think the, the performance isn't going to be as bad, but there's no way that United are going to win. Do you not think so? No. Absolutely I've got a heart, I've got a feeling it could be a draw. City, if for it to be a draw, uh, I, I could City, I could City see a draw. Got, a City have got to not turn up, and United have got to play. Anti-football. I don't know. United can United still have it though, don't they? There's still always going to be glimmers of hope. You never know what what back line's going to turn up. You don't know which midfielder you're going to get. That's the problem. United is they are so inconsistent, but it only takes De Gea to have a really good game as well, and they've got half a chance in, in that aspect. And um, it's it's a it's a game for Herrera as well, just in terms of the niggle, uh, sorry, the needle, and you know, getting on Fernandinho's case, getting in the referee's grill, asking for him to be booked for his tactical fouling and things like that. Uh, I mean, their their record is not good against City as well at Old Trafford. I think they've lost five of the last seven. I think in the City have only lost one of the last eight. I think visits to Old Trafford. Yeah, yeah, that's and right. Won their last ten league games. Won the last ten league been. games. No, yep. yeah, no. United managers won their first derby game since Ferguson, and whenever eighty six, eighty seven. Yeah. Well, Fergie it? can keep that record. <laughs> yeah. It's not happening tomorrow. But we said, but so the general mood is more misery for United. Does that work? Not what you're saying, but Sam, you seem a bit more optimistic than than Charlotte. I don't wow. think it's going to be as bad as Sunday. I don't think it's I, the players have got to it go out there and, sh- and show more fight. All I'm saying is. I don't think they're going to win at all. Like, I cannot see a scenario where they win. Having watched City and seen how good City are and City can be, if City turn up, United's defence aren't going to know what's hit them. They're just not going to be able to deal with it. The whole um, Liverpool factors 
overrated as well because there's not a single United player starting who probably Cares. gives a gives a damn about whether Liverpool win the league or not. I don't think it would It's bother. easy rhetoric, isn't it? It's an easy way to earn brownie points. But yeah. we saw on Sunday that it, some it, just don't Whether care. it's De Gea or Pogba or Fred or Smalling or Jones, when they go on holiday in the summer, I don't think they're going to be haunted by it. It's not like the yesteryear. Yeah. yeah. It's not like in 2009 when Liverpool were going for the title and United said Neville Skulls gigs, players like Who that in the squad. Them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it, the, the cultures change. You saw at the World Cup last summer, Alexander-Arnold and Lingard getting on like a house on fire. You saw on the weekend Kurt Zuma and Pogba getting on really well at full time as well. Oh, yeah, they? yeah. But that, that, was the, uh, that was the one leadership skill Pogba showed all afternoon. He was the first to lead them off down the tunnel, first down the tunnel um, after full time, which was no surprise whatsoever. I think that's been maybe alarm as well in the last few weeks that Pogba and De Gea, neither of them made a case to be the next captain, really, have they? Well, we were, we were discussing this at Carrington today, like who, it's got to be who, this, young, cult, who this cultural <laughs> architect is that, that Salzgar has spoken what, of. Where on earth did he I, get that phrase from? It, it, it sounds a bit Brendan Rodgers, I thought. It, it, there have been some things he said that well, have been a little bit cringing. He recently. said that the stroke for them was going to suck it in against someone, didn't he? Oh, I can't yeah. remember who, who yeah. that was. He yeah. might, have, might have a painting of himself in his house as well who was Solskjaer scoring that goal yeah. it's probably like a mural on the one wall like a whole wall of it a games room under a floodlight like yeah. Brendan's canvas that time on being <laughs> Liverpool and there's just a seat at his table just a gaffer for whenever Ferguson yeah. comes to visit who knows yeah. but I, I guess that's the problem as well isn't it that Solskjaer's gone from being so I guess lovable and infectious for United supporters that he is almost turned into parody and you can see the Moyes the Rogers inside of him at the yeah. moment yeah well, I, I, I can't remember what Matic's quote was exactly after the Everton game, but did, he said there was a lack of leadership or something like that. And that's got to come from the top, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, at least Mike Phelan didn't tweet after the game. I mean, his, his tweet after the Barcelona game was, again, just cringe-inducing. Just, Fergie said in 2011, I know the world's changed, but you know, why would you spend your time on Twitter? Go to the library and read a book. And you'd think Phelan would be of that generation. And no doubt he's got an admin running the account, but It's fair enough if you left off. the club, but when you're involved in the club, to, yeah. you shouldn't have to be trying to score points on social media. No, you no. Should be, it's... You should get your respect and your, your reputation from winning matches and doing your job properly yeah when, when I spoke to Carrick early in the season I know he's had the odd tweet but he said he's not going to be dealing with it it's just going to be about his foundation now which is fair enough but why feeling feels the need to tweet a gif of a will after a win or a picture of the Sir Alex Ferguson stand as they now call it after they've been humbled 3-0 by Barcelona I just I have to despair at that. That, but that that is the that is the modern Man United. It's another thing to add to the negative list. Oh, well, he might break. We've got a really long yeah. negative list today. He might break the internet if he poses with Matthias De Litt outside Old Trafford or something in the summer. Though maybe break your figures for the month. Yeah, I hope so. Fingers <laughs> crossed. We shall see. So yeah, I guess finally, predictions for tomorrow, Samuel. I hate to say it, but I hate to say it for all of Manchester. A draw. Charlotte? City to win by four goals. Four, just the four? Just the four. Okay, yeah. Yeah, being quite kind. I'm on Team Samuel. One all draw, I think. <laughs> Horrible. And Merseyside will go wild. And Merseyside will go wild. And that because... will be the end of this podcast. But it's just because they... <laughs> <laughs>
It's because they just want it more, Charlotte. And sometimes it means more. No? It means more. I've, I've apparently even got a my first proper day trip to Liverpool as well oh, planned in the what? next month. Yeah, but I've I've made it. It's on the proviso what that it has to be first proper day trip to Liverpool to to actually look around the city and oh, have you never explore been? it. No, not 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 into the the heart of it, so to speak. It's, it's just nice, yeah. The tr- the trouble is, I, I need to go there before May the twelfth because it's I may cool. never. Be go there work. after May the 12th Can you imagine there's just going to be banners and bunting it's everywhere it's going to be horrible isn't it it's going to be like a really <laughs> like bad a British summer and Klopp will come out it's going to be ri- yeah oh. oh well no this is why it's fine tomorrow's fine you'll happily take it a feature well Bring I on. mean we'd like to see some description of fight from both sides but yeah. You'd like a spirited 1-0 loss. Yes, I think that would be best for all parties involved. Mm, that would see. be plausible for United fans, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, we shall see. Let's hope Solskjaer's listening. We shall see. Samuel, thank you very much. Charlotte, you too. We will be back later in the thank week you. to dissect whatever happens at Old Trafford on Wednesday night and then look ahead to the weekend where United take on Chelsea. Thank you for listening to the Manchester Red podcast. Please leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already.